You're listening to The Purple Stethoscope. I am your host, Devin Nixon, family nurse practitioner. None of the information provided in this podcast is intended to nor sufficient to diagnose your personal medical issue, but there is a lot to learn, so let's start the show. Hello, welcome back. You're listening to The Purple Stethoscope. I am your host, Devin Nixon, on all social media, at D, the NP, that's D like Devin, NP like nurse practitioner. We're continuing in our primary care series. And today I have a very special guest with me. This is Therese Williams Dumas. Therese has been an acute care nurse practitioner for 22 years. Most of her practice has been in the cardiology specialty and Texas, in Georgia, and in North Carolina, most recently in Washington State, where we met and our colleagues. Therese, welcome to the Purple Stethoscope. Thanks so much for coming. Thank you so much, Devin. Thank you for having me. Did I miss anything in your intro? <laughs> you only thing else, I've um, also been trained as a um, legal nurse consultant several years ago. Wonderful. That is such a great skill to have. Oh, yes. my goodness. To protect both yourself and your patients. It helps you with documentation, which is so, so important. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, Therese, we have done two installments so far on the primary care series. One where I'm just really covering the very basics, bare bones mm-hmm. of primary care, who needs it, what it is, how to access it. Um, And then we did another installment where, uh, let's see, there were about four other guests who talked about their experience with primary care, with going in to medical visits, what they felt leaving the visit, whether they felt that they were better, worse, or the same. Um, That was a very eye-opening conversation. We listened to that together, actually, before we... um, (laughs) before we started recording today. And I think both of us were just sitting here with our bottom jaw on the ground. It was very enlightening. Yes. It allows us to see where we're missing the mark. Absolutely. uh, With the patients that we've seen. And we, you know, we have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of work work to to do. And part of that work is hearing the other end of the conversation. So that's what I like best about that talk was because... I don't get to talk to patients after they leave the clinic until they come back to the clinic, if they come back to the clinic. Because we don't know what their experience is, their perception. Mm-hmm. You know, what are we doing good, but what are we not doing good? And oftentimes for myself, I always wonder about them. I think about them. If, if I never see them again, I'll get certain patients that I'm just like, this is so much information. This is so overwhelming. Even just the diagnoses words are so big. The names of the medications are so big. We want you to take this in the morning, this with food, this at night. Don't take these together at the same time. I mean, I just, I look at people and they look like a deer in the headlights and I'm like, praying in that moment like God help me connect I need to connect what you see is when you have them in the office and you're going over the information they're shaking their head Mm -hmm. like they understand what you're saying but it's that deer in the head Mm -hmm. look and you can look at them and tell they have no clue what you're talking about right 
Right. So I've been, I think we have all, between you and me, we've got this ground covered because I was a uh, floor nurse. I was a staff Mm -hmm. nurse on a progressive and critical care unit. And a big part of what I did was discharging patients to home. They would be admitted to the hospital with an issue. Um, We would do our best to help them clear that, that critical hurdle, that acute hurdle to where they were good enough to go home. And then it was my job to do discharge teaching. Um, And then you have worked with patients on in home care. So you've seen the side of them after they leave the hospital. With my experience, I've worked with them in the hospital setting when they're having that acute event. I've worked on the outpatient side when they've been seen in the clinic following up. But then I've also worked with them in the home when they're in their own territory. So I've seen them at different phases Mm -hmm. and it's vastly different. And that's why I'm so glad to have you here today because that's the piece that's missing for me and I can't really speak to that home piece. I've seen them, I've discharged them from the hospital as a staff nurse. Mm -hmm. I've rounded on and done consults as a nurse practitioner and I've seen them in follow-up in clinic as a nurse practitioner. But what happens between leaving the hospital or leaving the clinic and when we see that patient again. So if you wouldn't mind, like, what's when you're going into a patient's home, like, what is your first assessment? How do you even figure out where to start with them? They've got these discharge papers. Hopefully they still have the papers, right? Where do you start? Um, usually when I start, when I get into a patient's home, the first thing I do is a quick Um, survey of the environment. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm looking for things that potentially can affect their health. I'm looking at, you know, do they have adequate lighting? Do they have cords running across the floor? Do they have rugs that are not secure? Right. You know, on the floor, things mm-hmm. that can cause them to trip and end up in the hospital with a hip injury, with right. a knee injury. So I'm doing that kind of general survey to see what the home environment is like. Um, if they've been recently discharged from the hospital, mm-hmm. my usually question is, where is your discharge papers? And exactly what were you admitted for? What did they find? What did they tell you? Now, I want to pause you right there because you said something that I want to just kind of roll back to after doing the group episode mm-hmm. and hearing our intention and then how we are perceived. Okay. So I've gotten the pleasure of taking care of both of my parents and I've had people come into my home and I've watched my mother reaction. Mm -hmm. So when you say you come in and you do a survey and you're looking around, I know my mom would be like, well, isn't she a nosy little something? What is she looking for? Like, do you do you explain what you're doing? Do you? Well, it's just a general observation. It's mm-hmm. not like you know I'm rotating my head. It's just when I come in, I'm just quickly scanning with I my see. eyes. I see. Because you coming into someone's home, so you don't want to be too intrusive. Right. You know. You don't want you to be too intrusive. You are the guest in their home. That's so good. So you want to make them feel that you're there to help them. So it's not like I'm rotating my head. I'm looking up. It's just a scan with my eyes to see what the general layout looks like. Okay, so I'll be the patient for this scenario. And I'm sitting here and I have my discharge paperwork and it says that I was admitted for SVT or some really long thing. Super 
something, 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 something. ventricular tachycardia. Thank you. And and they gave me these pills to take, and they told me to take this this medication twice a day, mm-hmm. and um, it makes me feel kind of tired and sluggish. Okay. Um, it's called Metoprolol. Look, Metoprolol. I'm being a good patient, right? <laughs> Our patients can never say <laughs> they can never say any so medical they, words. They gave me a metapol, and I noticed when I took it, I just felt tired and just okay. I didn't feel well. But I'm not having the issue anymore, so I just quit taking it. I haven't actually okay. taken it since I filled the prescription because I felt okay. okay. Usually, I'll ask them what were you, what was done in the hospital, what were you told. So I like to try to assess mm. what their knowledge base is and see okay. where we need to go. Um, I am a teacher by heart, so mm-hmm. I'm always going to come in with some diagrams, mm-hmm. some charts, some pictures. Mm-hmm. So then I'll say, okay, according to this, this is what you have. Okay. And then I'm going to show you what this means and how the heart works and how the impulses are transmitted. This is what you have. This is normally how we treat it, okay. you know, and then go through all of the different medications we can treat it. This is how they treat it. This is what the medicine does. This is what some of the side effects are. Right. So that way they'll know what they have, mm-hmm. how we're treating it, and what we are looking for. And that what you said is so important about understanding the side effects because, you know, I when I do my teaching, when I prescribe something new, I always try to tell people, I, I use the word the hot tub effects. Yes. Because most people have been in a hot shower or in a hot bath or in a hot tub. I say, you know how you just, everything opens up and just Mm -hmm. feel like, this medication is doing that mechanism. Mm -hmm. And so you you might feel that a similar effect as if you sat in a hot tub for too long. That's expected. It's not an adverse effect. You're supposed to continue taking it. And I was kind of being funny, but kind of not when I said I felt fine, so I haven't taken it. Like, obviously, I know if I'm prescribed a medicine to take it, but I I know a lot of people go, this cost me $35, $75 to fill. I feel fine. I'm going to just hold on to it until I feel bad. And then when I explain to them that it's a daily medicine, they're like, and nobody then, told me that. And that's part of the thing is going through, you need to take this every day. Mm-hmm. This is why you need to take it yeah. every day. And explain the difference between a common side effect and an adverse reaction. That's so because good. some patients say, well, I can't take this medication because I'm allergic. I had, yeah. I'm allergic to it. I had an adverse Exactly what, what happened happens. when you did. Because mm-hmm. there's a various difference between it made me a little sick to my stomach versus I broke out in hives and rashes. Uh, yeah. Totally different. Right, right. Totally different. So, so for we the have to explain mm-hmm. the difference between a common expected side effect right. versus an adverse reaction. I want to clarify to the listeners too, um, because Therese and I are both nurse practitioners. <laughs> We get into our talk, and I want to just make sure that we're being very clear. So um, we're using metoprolol as a as an example because yeah. it's a very common medication used in cardiology where we both practice right now. And an adverse reaction to a medication, a truly adverse reaction or allergy, is typically going to be something like a rash. And the funny thing about that is a lot of times the rash doesn't seem serious. No. And so people don't tell you about the rash. Exactly. But they feel like crap. And so they tell you, I can't take it because I feel like crap. And so I'm allergic. So to clarify, there are side effects of medications and 
they're expe- almost expected. When you look them up, you'll see things like common side effects because we expect you're going to feel okay. this way. Mm-hmm. I use like a little gas gauge with my patient teaching. And I tell people, you know, they say, well, can I fix this? A question I get often is, can I fix this by changing my, my diet? diet? Can I um, take lose some weight? tea can or I lose some them? weight? And so I draw them like a gas gauge. So if you picture a gas gauge and it's broken up into thirds, one third of a tank, one third to two thirds of a tank, mm-hmm. two thirds to a full tank, I tell them if you're on this lower end, you don't take any medication every day, you don't have any chronic diagnosis. Mm-hmm. You can probably manage your health with diet and exercise and just maintenance visits, you know, mm-hmm. health promotion visits, which we talked about in previous episodes. If you, like for me, I take medication for hypertension. And so I'm kind of in the middle. I have a diagnosis. Yes. I take medication every single day, but I've never been hospitalized. Okay. I've never been hospital outside of childbirth um, and elective you know, I had my tonsils out when I was 32. Um, that was horrible, but that's a story for another day. <laughs> um, I've never been hospitalized overnight for a medical condition. So I fall in the middle. Okay. I, I have to take the pills in order to keep my blood pressure in check so that I don't end up in the latter third. But with that, if you see people who, like yourself, Mm-hmm. Are not used to taking right. medication. Right. The problem we see is they forget to take it because oh, yeah. it's not it's something not they normally do. Mm-hmm. So what I tell patients is, we all have something we do about the same time every day. Mm-hmm. Um, with years ago, with my mother, she always liked to watch the View. She was notorious for getting to take her <laughs> blood pressure medicine. Could never remember, but she liked to watch the View. Yeah. So what I would have her do is okay. Every day when the View comes on, yes. when you hear the music for the View, That's take your medicine. That is that your is cook. So, good. so if you tie it to something that you do every day about the same time, then it becomes a habit and you'll start doing it without giving it a second thought. So that's the other part is getting them to consistently take it that's, on a I love what you said basis. about the view. I mean, maybe for other people, it's something like walking the dog in the morning. Maybe it's something like teeth. watching the news at 12 o'clock. Right. If you know you have medicine to take in the evening, if you know you watch the evening news right. or you watch the news at 10, 11 o'clock and you have a night dose, tie it to something yeah. you do every night, every day, yeah. about the same time. I also... Then let, you're less likely to forget. Yeah. I, I tell people to also set an alarm. Like, some of the younger patients, they're not watching TV. It is so interesting, generationally. Yes. They are not watching. They don't have cable. They're not about to pay for cable. But they all have smartphones. Smartphones. And so I say set set your alarms. Let's do it right and now. And for the younger population, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, or they have broadcasts, mm-hmm. podcasts that they commonly listen to yeah. every day. Yeah. Then, you know, when your podcast come on and the music play, let's take your That's medicine. your cue. That's your clue. That's for awesome. the older patients, mm-hmm. it's usually They're when they read the sedentary. newspaper, yeah. when they watch the news, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, when they eat lunch, yeah. whatever it is that you do consistently yeah. every day, about the same time. That's awesome. That latter, that latter third of the gas gauge, these are the patients that we see a lot in practice. All the time. And I tell them, you know, 
diet and exercise at this point, because this is an end-stage disease, this is an end-stage issue, the damage is done. We are on, um, you know, slowing the progression of the disease. We're not in prevention mode, which is that first third. We're not in maintenance mode where we're, you know, we are in disease progression. We're moving towards the end of life. You take multiple pills every day. Mm -hmm. You've been in the hospital overnight in the past year, maybe even more than once. Most of them. And so, unfortunately, diet is not going to cure your issue, but it's still important. It's still important. Exercise is not going to cure your issue, but it's still important. And I tell my young people, uh, walk while you can. Because not only walk that, can. it may not cure, but it can lessen the the number of times you end up re Oh, absolutely. It will keep you functional mm-hmm. a lot longer. Yes. A lot The longer. quickest way to go down is it's to stay down. sedentary. <laughs> yep. If you stay down, you're If you don't down. move it, you're certainly gonna going lose to it. lose it. Absolutely. And then that starts a whole nother cascade of problems. Yeah. 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 So you are in patients' homes. What kind of questions do you often hear when people have been um, discharged from the hospital or they're, uh, they've been to the clinic and, and they don't have a follow-up? Well, let's, let's just actually, let's just transition into follow-ups. Do people know when to follow they up? They have no idea when to follow up. Yeah. Oh, well, they didn't say when I'm supposed to come back. Right. Or they'll say, you know, I, so much happened in the hospital. I don't exactly know what went on. I don't, even I don't remember. know. Remember who did what because there's so many different doctors and different specialties, and people are not introducing themselves. Preach. So the patient have no clue. Who's many who? times have no clue exactly what happened. You know. So I'll start off by yeah. looking at the discharge summary, looking at the discharge diagnosis, mm-hmm. and then go through each diagnosis. This is what this means. This is how you treat it. This is what medicines you take mm-hmm. for this and then go through each thing. Then they'll get I'll have them bring me all of their medicines. Everything you've been prescribed, bring it to me and I put that it on the table. That is a beauty of being in someone's house. Yes, it is. Getting people to bring all their meds to a clinic bring appointment them to is me so on the table hard. and I keep my rubber bands and I keep markers. So I'm going through their medicines and what I'm looking for when I'm doing that to be sure they're not taking duplicates. They're, they're not taking two beta blockers. They're not taking an ACE inhibitor. How and often do we see patients all the time who have been started on a medication that was supposed to replace an old medication and they never got the memo to stop taking the old one? Or the doctor tell them, but you're given so much information, you true. don't remember That's which medicine he told you to top because they all sound alike to you. So two things that I want to just interject. Number one, medical providers, healthcare providers, we have got to introduce ourselves. When we are going Please. in and out of people's rooms in the hospital, they don't know who's who. They don't know. I mean, I joke. I joke, but not jo- joking. When I'm, I don't usually wear the white coat in clinic, but I, I wear my white coat when I'm in the hospital because I've gone into rooms and people have been like, oh, here's my tray. 
You must be here to get the tray. I, I never wear my white coat, and I always go in mm -hmm. shaking their hand. Hi, I'm yep. Therese. Yeah, that's the nurse practitioner with cardiology. So they way they know who. Because the other thing Wait. is, they see so many doctors, yeah. they don't know what question to ask to who. That's right. Or, or they expect you to have information that you don't have because they were told someone was going to tell them. Real quick, I was hospitalized when I was eight. I had ear, nose, and throat issues, and I was in the hospital. And it's probably how I feel healthcare because I just thought these people are like off the chain smart they were telling me stuff about how my ears and nose and throat worked and I was learning I've been a nerd my whole life y'all and every time someone came in I was like what do you do what do you do at first obviously I thought everybody was nurses mm -hmm. I learned that there were respiratory therapists I learned that there were physical therapists and occupational therapists and discharge planners there's so many different um parts of the care team in the hospital but unless we introduce ourselves people don't know and then when you have people who have multiple medical problems mm -hmm. you might see the hospitalist who's going to be the general overseer mm -hmm. then you might see the cardiologist mm -hmm. then you might see the endocrinologist you, you, know you might see, see the pulmonologist you know who they don't see their primary care They provider. don't see the primary they're care like, provider. They're like, these people don't know me. i got to get back to so-and-so. You so. know, so there are so many different specialties. Yeah. They don't know who's doing what. They don't. Because no one introduces themselves right. and say what their specialty is. Well, and say, we're no also group. so pressed for time. And I've been really working on presence, mm -hmm. just being where I'm at and nowhere else because I find... Uh, I can do as much in a present five minutes as I can do in a distracted 20 minutes. And if I have eye contact and I, you know, change the bed to sit the person up and I sit down on their level and we talk face to face and I'm there, there, not thinking about the other two consoles, not thinking about mm -hmm. how much administrative stuff I have to do or what I got going on after work. If I'm present and there with them in that five minutes, we can get it all done. We can. And I can say, um, what are your questions? And get the questions answered, too. The other thing that I wanted to run back uh, that you said was, you know what? Am I getting old? Because I don't remember. <laughs> I wrote the one thing up there. There was something else that you said. Y'all listen. Oh, about the Be medicine. patient with me. Yes. Uh, when I like to so say, I like them to bring everything to me to the table. Mm -hmm. Not only I'm looking at number one expiration dates on the bottom. Okay. I'm looking at are they duplicate medicines? Okay. Do they have multiple bottles of the same one? If there are multiple bottles of the same medicine, I'll put a rubber band. Mm -hmm. I'm checking the expiration date. The one that's going to expire first, I mark that with number one. Ooh, the next bottle, I mark with number two. And I'll say, I want you to take all of bottle one until you run out. I see. Then start taking bottle number two. These are the exact same medications. Who do you like to have present around the table if you can? The patient and whoever lives there in the home or whoever participates in their health care. Prepares their meds yes. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. So I'm checking expiration dates. I'm looking at I'm looking at the pills. If you tell me you take this medicine every day and it's the 30th <laughs> and I can still, I can't even see it's the bottom. Pills. And I see a whole bunch. I know you missing some doses. Right. So then mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, are you really telling, you know, are you really taking this every day? Mm -hmm. Some patients say, well, oh, I got an, or if I see a very old bottle mm -hmm. and you can barely see the writing, 
okay, this is old. Oh, and I took my new bottle and dumped these in my old bottle. Then I explained why it's important not to do that oh, because so of the good. expiration date. Yes, and sometimes they make and the pills say, different. Oh, that's another different thing. Different shapes, different colors. I will go over. Patients say, oh, I know which one is my heart by the shape of my pill. Yeah. Well, if the pharmacy changes manufacturer, That's right. The size, the color, and the shape of the pill changes. You know, so you have to be comfortable with learning, reading the name, even if you can't say it, if you can recognize, recognize the letters. Mm-hmm. Now, that brings up another problem, though. In healthcare. We don't take the time to assess whether patients can read. We give them all of this written Therese, instruction. you are preaching. We give them, here you go, and we send them out the door. Yeah. But nobody asks you, can you read your instruction? Right. So when I do home visits, and if I'm writing your treatment goals, I'm writing your blood pressure goals, I'm writing your cholesterol goals, I'm writing your hemoglobin A1C goals, your blood sugars, I'll write your list. Yeah. Then I'll say, I'll hand it to the patient and I'll say, read this back to me so that way I can be sure my instructions are clear. Because if a person can't read, mm-hmm. they're embarrassed. They're not going to tell you they can't read. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're not going to. So if I say, read this back to me so I can be sure my instructions are clear, it takes the responsibility off of them and it places the burden on me. So we are coming close on time and I just want to make sure that we recap on some very important points between leaving the hospital, leaving the clinic and coming back for follow-up. Number one, when is follow-up? That is a question that you can ask. That's a question that's not pushy. It's not weird. When do you want to see me back? Who am I supposed to follow up with? And they may say six months. Then your next question is, are y'all scheduling it or do I need to call and schedule it? Let's, if, you know, get it in the calendar so that they know. And if it's down the line, put a alert in your personal calendar so you do not forget. Right. Because oftentimes you think you're going to remember when you're supposed to follow right. and you don't. I don't know who's depending on their brain anymore, but right. not this one here. Yeah. The other thing is, what do I need for that appointment? Yes. I cannot tell you all how many times I've seen someone in follow-up and they didn't get the labs done that I ordered. And I'm getting the labs to monitor how their body is handling medications mm-hmm. that they're on. So that visit ends up being a really expensive, hey, how you doing? Yes. They're paying the, the copay or whatever their insurance visit fee is. And all we're doing is catching up. Now, yes, I'm still going to do a history. Yes, I'm still going to do an exam. But I don't know how anything's going I because I don't have your blood work. That's right. And bring your medications, Please. all of them. Please, Whether y'all. you take one medicine, whether you take 22, bring us every physical body mm-hmm. of every bottle you are taking. And we know that that's cumbersome and sometimes embarrassing. Sometimes just collecting your pills can be really depressing because it's just like, dang, dang, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm taking all of this. Um, a lot of times culturally, we don't, we're very averse to pills in the first place. Yes. Um, and that's like the whole purpose of this podcast and these conversations that we're having is to bridge the gap of this disparity. We do not have 
the outcomes that we want. We are our life expectancy is often shorter, and we often die from uh, a, a more um, preventable things. Preventable things, but also faster progression of a chronic illness because we're not doing that maintenance work. Because we're not, we don't understand what what following up and maintaining at home entails. And so, you know, the number one leading cause of death in the United States right now is the end result of a chronic illness. So if you have a chronic illness, your options, really our goal is to slow the progression of that disease. But for many of us, when we don't understand our discharge instructions and we don't understand our medications and we don't understand when we're supposed to follow up and who with, a lot of places now have my chart or some yes. kind of portal, patient portal, where you can send messages and ask your questions. It's cheaper. It's more efficient. It's more safe because you're talking to people who have your history, who know your meds, your allergies. But And, and that's good for the younger generation. But we also see the older population sure. who is not as digitally savvy. But that's what I'm saying. Like so they can all still they, call. All they do is pick up the phone and call. call. If you have any chronic medical conditions mm-hmm. and you take any medication, you should follow up with your doctor nothing less than once a year. Oh. If a year has passed by yeah. you have not seen, you yeah. need to be calling mm-hmm. somebody. I like everyone to go once a year. And my nothing chronics, less than once a my year. My chronics, man, I want to see you every six months. A year, or every three months if, if we tie trading right, and justice stuff. Or things are, things are changing And it's not you. just to line our pockets and make money. It's because we are trying to fine-tune the plan of care for you. We trying to keep you from ending up in the hospital. Lord, we yes. trying to ward it off yes. as early as we possibly can. Absolutely. We trying to prevent a problem, not patch you up once you've had it. Yep. Absolutely. Guys, we are gonna wrap this discussion up. Um Oh, gosh, I never, I never know what all to include until I talk to the group. So we'll we'll have a follow up episode um, where we talk to people who've been discharged from the hospital or who've been followed by their primary care providers for a chronic illness, and we'll get some feedback. Mm-hmm. And you all can give feedback too. You can go to the website. It's d the np and you can send messages through there with show ideas. You can give feedback on shows. You can hit me on any of my social media, which is at D the NP on Twitter, on Facebook, on um, Instagram. And just leave me a message when, you know, go to the episode, leave a little comment or a question or a message. And we'll do our best to answer those questions because what we're giving y'all is access to medical professionals, to healthcare professionals, to nurse practitioners that you can just simply say, you know, this is what happened, this was my experience, or I didn't understand this or that. Our end goal is better outcomes. This is healthcare for the culture. We want to live, we want to live well, and we want to prosper. So thanks so much for tuning in to the Purple Stethoscope. Thank you, Therese, for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Grateful. We will certainly have to do this again. Yes, we. (laughs) Yes, we will. We will. 
That concludes our primary care series. Hey, thanks so much for listening and for sharing this series with friends and family who you know will benefit from the information we've covered over the past three weeks. Next week, we're transitioning into wellness. I don't want to give it away. We've got some good stuff. So come back next week to the Purple Stethoscope. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Purple Stethoscope. I'm your host, Devin Nixon, family nurse practitioner. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at D, the NP. That's at symbol D like Devin, the NP, like nurse practitioner. If you like what you've heard today, go ahead and share the episode, or even better yet, rate and review. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.